Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Brian mentioned at the very beginning of the service that um, we are a part of one body. When we become a part of church and we follow Jesus Christ, we are entered into that body and we are concerned about those uh, parts of, that are in the body. And so every week we as a church come together and um, we pray for those concerns, but we don't always know those concerns. Um, and so there is a three by five note card in the back seat in front of you. And if this week you have something that you just need prayer for or that you are just concerned about, would you take out that three by five note card and, and just write a prayer request on there? And, and we as a staff will, will pray over it during the week and also, um, and also that uh, we give it to our prayer group that meets on Sunday mornings. And I just want to give you a little bit of an update um, of what's going on. What we are working on currently right now is through the website is so that we can have, um, we can have live up-to-date prayer requests. And so you could be sitting in the church service and just uh, type out your prayer request on your smartphone and it will automatically pop up to anybody who is wanting to be a part of that service. And so um, it is getting there so that all of you across the board can be able to do it. But for right now, um, I... Um, we were just taking the three by five note cards. And this week I looked back on the bookshelf that we have and um, in my office. And I've, last September is when we started doing the three by five note cards. And I just want to tell you that I've filled a bookshelf like the three by five all the way up to the top and I had to start another pile. And so um, it's just amazing that um, I could go back through those and just know how God has answered prayer requests. And so um, if you would just do that, that would be awesome. We'll be praying for you. The one prayer request that I have um, right now is Dave Surgent is, uh, he got out of the hospital. Um, he had to go into some surgery. And then after that surgery, they brought him into uh, the nursing home to kind of watch after him. And he had a huge high fever and um, they found out that he's uh, septic. And so they brought him back into, um, back into the hospital and they're not sure what to do with him right now. And so I talked to him this morning before we left and he just said, my body's shutting down and I'm ready to go. So um, I don't know what that means. Well, I do know what that means, but um, if you'll just be praying for him, uh, Diane is just really struggling with things, and so be praying for her this morning, okay? Let's pray together. God, you are the creator and sustainer of all things. You put this world into motion. And it exists because you continue to hold all things together. And God, would we see your glory absolutely everywhere and would we praise it from the rooftops? Would we sing of your great works all around us? And would we know that in every situation that you are still God and we absolutely are not?
And so, God, in the good times, we know that we can praise you for your blessings. And in the bad times, we know that we can praise you for your blessings. Because, God, everything points back to you. Your son is pointing back to you who's died on the cross and was raised by you to show us how you created us. And your Holy Spirit guides and directs us all the time. And Lord, would we be people who are marked by by knowing that if you take care of the sparrows and the lilies of the field, you take care of us. And you've created us. And if everything you created is beautiful, what does that make us? And so God, with all of the prayer requests that we may or may not know, Lord, we lay them down at your feet because you know them. You know every single heart in this room, all at the same time. You hear all of our prayers. You are available to us. And you ask that we would lay down our hearts so that you can heal and you can guide and you can direct. And Lord, we just do that now. And Lord, there's concerns that we have and there's worries that we have. And and Lord, we need to lay them at your feet. So God, with With Dave, Lord, I just pray that uh, as the surgeons are just going through a really tough time, that, God, you could give peace where it needs to be given, that you could give knowledge where it needs to be given, direction where it needs to be given, and that you could speak truth where it needs to be spoken. And, God, as we enter into worship, would we worship you for, for who you are? the one true God. Lord, as we take our offering this morning, would it be used to extend your kingdom for your glory? Lord, we love you and praise you. In your holy name we pray, amen. Let's worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to Hebrews chapter 12? It's so good to be able to say we're on a different chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll read verses 1 through 3 together. such a great tie-in to think about water is is Jesus gives us water to live, um, but he also gives us the living water which bubbles up into eternal life. And then we also have the ability of water to wash away our sins. And today when we start this scripture, that's exactly where we're going. We've been in, ah man, uh, for, I don't know, the last seven weeks in chapter 11, looking at the heroes of the faith and and just kind of going, what is in their life that is bringing us to a point of going uh, to ask ourselves the question now, what does our faith look like? Because uh, I hate to say this, but um, I don't, not that I hate to say this, you're, you're not Moses, 
right? We don't have to worry about Noah anymore. We're, we're, um, we have our own faith to live out. And the author, which we've already stated, and I will continue to say it over and over, and the author of this book is God. And God is now bringing us to this point of going, okay, great. Now that you know what everybody else's faith looks like, let's look at yours. What is your faith? And so he says, therefore, right away in verse 1. If you ever see the word therefore, you need to ask, what is that therefore? Why is therefore therefore, right? Um, And so because we've seen all of these people that have gone before us, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to read this translation as well. You ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This week we had uh, kind of an argument in our Um, Not an argument, but a uh, discussion about Bible translations and which one's better and all that sort of stuff. And you can see two completely, not completely different, two different translations. One diving in just a little bit further and bringing us a little bit closer. That last one I read was NLT. The first one I read was ESV, which is the English Standard Translation. The thing I love about talking about those two different translations is (laughs) there are tons of of us in this room that are completely different. Man, we think differently. We look at words differently. And I hope that as we read these verses that something struck you differently. Because on some of this, It says, hey, let us throw off every weight. Another one, it says, let us throw off what clings to us. There are some of you in this room who just need to get rid of some weight. And there are some of you who need to get rid of the stuff that has been clinging to you for a while. But before I dive into all that, let's pray. God, as we open up your word, would we open up our hearts to hear from you, to have you do the work that needs to be done? Lord, would you start sweeping out the corners? Would you start um, cleaning up the cobwebs? Would you start 
man, just tidying up in our hearts for us. But would you also give strength to the parts that, aren't, that, that are weak? God, the parts in us that are just praising you, Lord, would you, would you get the glory from that? And so, God, as we open up your word, would you teach us how to look into this? In your name we pray, amen. So I was thinking this week about how to bring this in since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, one, one thing I read was that this is all about all the heroes of the faith before that. And then I heard somebody mention something a little bit different. They said, they said, what if you also looked at it this way is in right now, since we are surrounded by so many people, in our communities where we're at, do we realize what they are noticing? Do they see our faith? Do they start to recognize all of what's going on around us? Do they look in at us and go, that person has faith? Or do they just simply say, hey, man, that, that person is trying to take care of everything they're doing. What, whatever it is about our faith, whether it's people watching us or the great cloud of witnesses, I think that God says, it's, it's not about that. Let's go. Let's get something done. I was thinking this week about some of my favorite movies. And you would think that one of my favorite movies would be Gladiator, right? Are you not entertained? Um, or you would think about maybe some of us are the Lord of the Rings or Star Trek or Star Wars or, or anything like that. And all of a sudden, I began to think about all the movies that my parents made me watch when I was little. And, um, and thinking, okay, what were some of those movies? And then I went through like My Fair Lady, right? That was, that was a great movie, right? Um, it was like a four VHS. That was like... That was like The Hobbit before. Yeah, anyway, My Fair Lady was not. But one of the movies that popped up into my brain of a movie that was fantastic is Chariots of Fire. If you've ever heard of the movie Chariots of Fire, the main guy is uh, in this, is his name is Eric Little. And Eric Little is, was an Olympic runner, but he was also a missionary. Uh, he was a missionary to China um, at the time, and um, it just so happened that he was home on furlough for a while, and um, he enters into a race, and Eric Little is fast. Um, if you've ever seen the movie, there's, uh, there's a scene of his life in which he's running the 400-meter uh, race, and at that time, you could fight for the inside lane, and so if you started right out away, you could get into the inside lane, and then you wouldn't have to run much, but you would have to fight to get there, and he gets pushed over in the middle of this race uh, around the first corner. As he's, as he's going around and he gets pushed over and he, and he rolls and he gets back up and he still wins the race, still the 400 meters. And so the guy is fast. And um, one of the things that he does when he's running is he puts his head back and he just runs, right? And people always ask like, why do you put your head back? And they thought, well, maybe it was a breathing technique or maybe, uh, maybe it just makes him more aerodynamic. And this is what he says. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. 
But when I run, I feel his pleasure. Why do you put your head back? Because he's looking towards the heavens, is what he said in another interview later on. And then he says, it has been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a gold medal. But since I have been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than any I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. I get this amazing picture when I think about the race because we all want to be able to look at this thought process when he first starts since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and we think of this stand, these stands, right, and everybody's looking at us and either sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, well, we're in the stands with them because we're also the faithful, but I think we forget that this isn't a spectator thing. We don't get to be spectators at this time in the process. We actually are the people running the race. Everybody else is done. Everybody else either, well, in, in this sense, the people that have gone before us are all in the spectators. They have run their race. And so I wonder if we would look at this scripture and we would say, hey, we are not spectators right now. We as soon as conversion happens, the starting pistol goes off, and we are in the race. But things happen right away that this author talks about, that God talks about, that he says, hey, are you ready for this? Are you ready to strip off things, or do you understand what's going to happen? Because a lot of us would like to say that, man, I've got this. I've got this race. I can do this. But then about 100 meters in, we start wheezing. And we start going, I'm not so sure that I can handle this. I mean, some of us might go out of the gate way too fast. Like me, probably I would just shoot out of the gate and be so stinking fast. And in about 50 feet, I'd be like, oh my goodness, where's the ambulance? Some of us are like Tim who decide every single day to ride, run 10 miles, Right? and then log it, and then go, hey, I'm going to go run a marathon for 26 of those miles. And do you know what they say the hardest thing about a marathon is? It's actually not your body. It's your mind. Well, in Tim's case, it's because he's old, but um, <laughs> it's because of your mind. What do you do for four hours while you're running? Can you tell your mind that it's not as hard as it is? Can your mind wander or do you focus it and say, this is where we're going? Are we willing to endure? Because I think that as we are in this race, we start to realize, hey, let's, let's give a little bit of definition to something. Because it's not so much our bodies, but it is our minds. Do we understand some of the precepts? And I love the fact that right away, God starts saying, but here's the deal. I think you need to understand some underlying things that are going on. You need to lay aside your weight, your hindrances. You need to strip off those things that so easily cling. And so if you're taking notes with me, I want to tar start talking about um, 
some definitions that we need to understand as Christians. Those of, those of us who have said, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to follow him. I think there's some things we need to understand about sin. Because he says right in verse 1, he says, and get rid of the sin which clings so easily. And so, if you're taking notes, sin clings. Sin clings. It's not something we do and then it just kind of falls off. No, actually, sin wants to stay with us. And let me define sin a little bit further. And it is anything we say, do, or think that goes against God and his commands. I would love to say that I came up with that, but that is what is taught in cubbies to little three and four-year-olds on Wednesday nights. Sin is anything we say, do, or think that goes against God and his commands. You see, that's what's been marked by us this whole entire time is when we're in the garden and everything is perfect and God is taking care of us, Adam decides to say, I'm sorry, um, Man, Adam and Eve decide to say, that's not good enough for us. We don't want a garden. We want the world. We want to be in charge. We want to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And in fact, God is saying, but you don't understand. I created this. And you don't want to know the difference between good and evil because sin will cling to you. And it's going to be a mark that you are not going to want in your life. Because, see, sin will take you further than you want to go. It's the very next one. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Man, I'm just, I'm just going to start this. I'm just going to do this once. And before you know it, you're hooked. You're addicted to something. It's never enough. Sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay because it starts to root into us. And sin will cost you more than you wanted to pay. And God is telling us right in verse 1, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and you're going to run this race, throw off everything that hinders so that you can run the race that I have asked for you. I love what Eric Little said. I believe God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And what that was is he was battling whether he was going to go back and be a missionary in China or whether he was going to go to the Olympic Games. God gave him a platform for the world by, by making him fast. But God called him to be in the mission field in China. And that's what he did after the Games. He went back to China and he never ran again. in big races like that. And so he wanted to live out his purpose and he realized that I'm not going to listen to the rest of the world. They want me to do all of these things, but I'm gonna do what God is calling me to do and that is to be a missionary. In fact, actually, one of the things that's marked by his life is um, 
one of his competitors was so mad because he didn't get to run against Eric Little because the race was on a Sunday and he wouldn't run on a Sunday. And so he chose to run a different race instead of running the race that he was the best at. And the guy, the competitor, if you ever watched the movie, um, the guy was so upset about winning the gold medal because he actually didn't get to test whether he was the best at it or not because he didn't get to run against Eric which is just incredible to me that he is sitting there going, no, I'm not going to let sin even have a little bit of my life. I, <laughs> Eric is, I am going to church. I am going to keep the day holy. I'm not even allowing a little bit of stuff to cling on to me. And so the author keeps on going in verse one. And he says, let's throw off hindrances and get rid of sin so if sin is going to cling and is going to keep us longer and cost us more and take us further let us let's throw it off it's really a lot easier said than done but today I want to ask you as we're going through this what if you would be willing to write something you need to throw off in your life Something, what kind of sin do you need to get rid of? What is hindering you from running the race you know God has asked you to run? I don't know if you can write that right now. I don't know if you can write that later. I know the last song, song is an amazing song in which you can think about being able to write that down. But, and what, what is hindering you? I can't tell you that. I wish I could give you 10 simple steps to being the best Christian you've ever been. You can only really think of one, and that's just get closer to Jesus. He'll tell you. Let him take care of your sin, wash you free from sin. And the whole point of doing that is so that we might endure to the end. So that's the last one in number one, so that we might endure to the end. We can't do this on our own strength. If you think that you can endure to the end without, without Christ, I, I don't know if we can. It's not white-knuckling it by any means. It is making sure that we have the daily contact with Jesus Christ in which he can change our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit in us doing that. But are we willing to throw off all that hinders us and run the race? Which brings us to verse 2, which says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I wonder if we could get to the point where, like Christ said in the garden, not my will but yours, God. This thing that I'm going through is really hard. Not my will but yours, God. You see, Christ is the initiator of it all. So if you're taking notes, right there, Christ is our initiator. 
1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 15 says this. And if Christ has been raised, has, sorry, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. I'm telling you that you don't have to sit here in this room if Christ had never been raised. If Christ was not the initiator of this, you have no need to be here. Because it didn't happen. But it did. And so he's the initiator of it. He is the one that says life needs to be different than what you've been doing the whole entire time. Your sin no longer needs to cling to you because I have taken care of that. You have the power to stop sin from taking you further. You have the power to not allow sin to keep you longer and cost you more because now it's about my kingdom. And then it goes on in the rest of that verse. In verse two, it says, and he's the perfecter of our faith. Just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you have it all together. God works towards perfecting us. In fact, actually, you could say it like this, that he is bringing us more and more righteousness. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We are working towards being like Jesus. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. And what's that point is, is that we know that we can't be holy, but we can be brought into holiness and allowing Jesus to work in our hearts. And then the very last thing of this section, in the middle of the race, when it's the toughest and you're not sure about enduring, in the middle of the race, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I love kind of the stab that the author makes. He says this, once you're in the middle of all of this, verse three, consider whom, him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And if you think you had a bad, think of what Jesus did. If you're really struggling, think of what Jesus had to go through. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present day time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Man, this is so momentary. Galatians 6.9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And 1 Thessalonians 3.13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Brings us right back to the very beginning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And at the very end of all of this, we can say in 2 Timothy 4.17, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. This is a huge encouragement. And if this was a locker room talk and everybody was in here, I think this would be amazing. Hey, do you guys remember Noah? Do you guys remember Enoch? Do you remember, do you remember what God did through Samson and, and Joseph and all of these other people? Now, this is your And if it was, this was at the very end uh, and we were in the locker room, the coach would say, now it's your time. The coach would say, what are you going to do with this? Are you willing to throw off everything that hinders or are you going to carry it onto the field and hope that you can do what God's purpose is for your life? Because I believe that God has made every single one of, the, uh, one of you in this room for a purpose. And I wonder if you're willing to dive deep and go, okay, God, help me to live that purpose. For some of you, in, you know, I'm not even going to go in that far. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up, and we're going to sing this last song. In this last song, it talks about the grace of God bringing us to a point of living for him because it's grace that actually allows us to find our purpose. When we give our lives over to Christ and we say, you are the initiator and you're the perfecter, would you please lead us and would you please allow us to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles and so as they're singing this song, I wonder if you would ask God, what's my hindrances? I wonder if you would also press into God and say, hey, God, would you reveal to me what I'm supposed to be doing? Where I'm at? Change my heart, God. I made sure that my batteries were good before I got up here. <laughs> Seth tried to blame me for that. I don't know if you guys noticed. As we start talking about running the race, I immediately, my mind, my mind, some of you might be like me, goes to how fast I can run, how good I am at, at chasing God and all the analogies that go along with running and our relationship with God, at how, how well we pray and read the Bible and go to studies and and, and all of this stuff and how much I could get better. I could get better at doing this and this and this and I, I, it's just all I, 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 I. It's God. God is saying me, 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 me. And we're just like, but an I, 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 I. I, uh, <laughs> hold on. I was in the army, I was in the infantry, and uh, actually in 2003, went to Iraq. 
Um, that's, that's the initial assault we had on Iraq and we led into to Baghdad. What we noticed when we first uh, really started getting into combat was that they didn't have uniforms. Um, the, the, the Iraqi army did have uniforms, but what they decided to do was take off those uniforms and just wear regular clothes. And so all of the innocent people that were in Iraq and all of the bad guys in Iraq looked exactly the same. That's a good enemy. If you are the bad guy or even the good guy, the more you camouflage and blend in, the better you are. So let's think for just a minute. We all think that sin is drugs, alcohol, cussing, hitting people, lying, cheating, pornography, you name it. That's the easy enemy that is clothed. He looks like the enemy. He looks like the video games that we play. There's, there's green against red, there's blue against black, you know, whatever, white and black. Very clear. Good enemies do not make themselves obvious in our lives. Sin is clinging to you and looks like a part of your life and it may even look like a godly part of your life. I have a few questions here. What slows you down in your race to glorify God? And this is the same technical question that Seth left us with. Is your dedication to work a sin? Is your drive to be a high school sports star a sin? How about a high school coach, assistant coach? This town in sports, you have no idea. I wanna say so much, but I'm not going to. I'm not gonna offend everybody. But imagine if people just in this room did the same thing for God that we do for sports. Imagine if in here, it looked like we were cheering for Scotty football during our worship. What if I had as many people volunteering for youth group as they have volunteering to help set up for games? Is your money a sin? Is your lack of Bible knowledge? Oftentimes we say we, we don't know enough about the Bible yet to share with anyone. Are your excuses a sin? Is TV a sin? Your phone, social media, it is going to look like the things that you are using in your life are part of your relationship with God and helping you run your race. Sin clings and disguises itself. My challenge to you is to look at and keep looking at all of us. I am hoping that I'm not just saying, all oh, you guys are horrible sinners. We need to work together to keep on answering this question. What is clinging to me? And what is slowing me down? Let's keep our eye on the finish. Let's keep our eye on what we say we believe. Let's have the faith. Pray with me. Lord, there's so much that gets in our way to slow us down and often, Lord, we're blind to it. I pray this morning, you open our eyes. And not, not the human eyes that look at stuff and give excuses. Well, I have this in my life because of this, and I have this in my life because of this. But Lord, you please share a spotlight on what we need to get rid of so that we can run the race. So that you can run the race. We are strong only because you give us strength. 
Lord, may we change every person that we are on mission to change in the name of you. Can this community no longer ignore you as a creator, you as the sustainer, you as the forgiver, the grace giver. Lord, may we run this race understanding that this crowd around us is watching our every move. And Lord, we don't wanna look like the crowd, we wanna look like you running the race. We love you, we love you, we love you. We humbly ask all of these things in your name when we leave them at the most level playing field there is the foot of the cross and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.